Welcome back to the Zero Brain Podcast. This is Dave Grave, and we're going to dive right back into the book we've been reading for the last month or so, Rule by Secrecy by Jim Mars. But before we do that... We interrupt our program to bring you a special broadcast. Today's Weird News broadcast is brought to you by Florida, America's Australia. According to Newser.com, way back in 2017, because all our news here is current, the Zero Brain Podcast, a uh, Pasco sheriff tweeted to local residents, please do not shoot the fucking hurricane. It will have disastrous fucking consequences. A sheriff actually had to go on Twitter and tell people not to shoot a fucking hurricane. He goes, uh, you won't make it turn around. It will have very dangerous side effects. The sheriff's office, which is based in Tampa Bay, was responding to a Facebook event page created by two Florida men who were inviting people to shoot at the fucking hurricane. The invitation presumably was a joke, but about 80,000 people indicated that they were going, or at the very least, were interested in the event. What is going on in fucking Florida? Hmm? Maybe you have some real fucking firepower out there, and maybe you do have some guns that could blast fucking hurricanes. I don't know. I don't know. Moving on. Next fucking article here. Monkey steals COVID-19 blood samples from a lab technician in India. That's right. A monkey attacked a lab technician on the campus of a medical school in India and ran away with blood samples from three patients infected with COVID-19. <laughs> Great. You let a fucking primate run off with the most fucking contagious fucking blood sample viral pathogen known to man in the last hundred fucking years, you dickhead. Oh, but you had time to pull out your fucking phone and take a video. Because that's how they even got the video of the incident. While this fucking monkey's climbing up this tree, he had this phone out and he's snatching, he's taking photos. And he's uh, watching the monkey steal all the fucking shit and climbing up this tree. And then he's got all this stuff on social media where it looks like this monkey's chewing on surgical gloves. It took place uh, fucking back in May, but this was run right in Uttar Pradesh, a state in northern India. Local residents were concerned the incident could increase the risk of COVID-19 transmission. No shit. I, I, all the time, I talk about how much I dislike monkeys. I mean, it's becoming a fucking theme. I've been saying this for a while now. Monkeys are a fucking problem, okay? Look, I'm not saying we gotta round these little fucks up. I'm just pointing out that they're more devious than we all give them credit for. And we let them do it because it's cute. Oh, look at his little thumbs. <laughs> he wouldn't look so cute if he didn't have thumbs. Get my drift? No, I'm just playing. What's our next article? October 14th, 2020. A man flying in a jetpack has been spotted again in the skies over Los Angeles, according to the CNN.com. I've already detailed the dangers of getting caught in a fucking turbine and getting spewed out the back looking like human fucking chum. What if you're outside, looking up at the sky, with your mouth open? Oh, it's ra- oh, hey, fuck, what the fuck is on me? It's- oh my god! Scarred for life. Jetpack guy, pull your head out of your fucking ass. Moving on. This is our last one here, folks. And then we're gonna get with the fucking show. According to DailyStar.com.uk, AI will become Earth's dominant life form and keep humans like we keep plants. 
If you listen to my artificial artificial intelligence episode or my simulation theory episode, you know how I feel about motherfucking robots. It says right here, artificial intelligence will evolve rapidly beyond our understanding since James Lovelock. But the idea of AIs wanting to exterminate us is strictly science fiction. Artificial intelligence will one day keep human beings around in the same way we keep plants, the scientist has claimed. James Lovelock, the veteran environmentalist, best known for the wider public for his influential Gaia theory, says that while artificial intelligence will inevitably become the dominant form of life on Earth, AIs will want to keep us around, like we keep plants in gardens. He's dismissive of people like Elon Musk, who believes that AI represents a threat to humanity, and propose we enhance ourselves with bionic implants to even up the playing field. He says he's optimistic about the future of AI because the optimistic version is more efficient. Well, efficient or not, who gives a shit? Either way, it sounds like robots are coming for our fucking blood. Brilliant. So, apparently we're going to be living in the Matrix in the near fucking future. Alright, that's the end of our fucking uh, weird news segment. On on to the book, guys. Okay, so today we're going to be reading the chapter, All Roads Lead to Sumer. The world's deepest secrets all lead back to Sumer in Mesopotamia, the first known great civilization. Located between the Tigris and Euphrates rivers at the headwaters of the Persian Gulf. In biblical times, it was called Chaldea, or Shinar. Today, it is known as Iraq. The Sumerian culture seemed to appear from nowhere more than 6,000 years ago. And before it strangely vanished, it had greatly influenced life as far east as the Indus River, which flows from the Himalayas through Pakistan to the Arabian Sea, and as far west as the Nile of the later Egyptian kingdoms. About 24,000 BC, Sumer was invaded from the west and north by Semitic tribes, and by about 2350 BC was captive to the warrior leader Sargon the Great, who founded the Semite Akkadian dynasty, which stretched from the Persian Gulf to the Mediterranean. After years of further wars and population displacements, the land of Sumer were united under Hammurabi of Babylon, whose famous code of laws may have been instituted to discipline the mass migrations of people in the wake of catastrophes at the time. Alan Alford noted that the devastating eruption of the Greek island of Santorin and mysterious destruction on Crete, as well as at Mohenjandaro, capital of an Indus Valley culture, took place about the time of Hammurabi's rule. Alfred saw a connection between these events and the removal of the Easter Island population, the emergence of Andean civilizations, and the arrival of the Mayas in Central America, all of which occurred at, the sa- at about the same time. It is also now clear that the Code of Hammurabi was drawn from laws set down by the Sumerians centuries earlier, particularly the earliest law code yet discovered issued by the Sumerian king Ur-Namu. Virtually nothing was known about the Sumerians until 150 years ago when archaeologists, spurred on by the writings of Italian traveler Pietro de Aval, in the early 17th century, began to dig into the strange mounds dotting the countryside in southern Iraq. 
Now, beginning with the discovery of Sargon II's palace near modern-day Korsabad by the Frenchman Paul-Emile Bata in 1843, archaeologists found buried cities, broken palaces, artifacts, and thousands of clay tablets detailing every facet of Sumerian life. By the late 19th century, Sumerian had been recognized as an original language and was being translated. Despite today's knowledge, the general public still has been taught little about this first great human civilization that suddenly materialized in Mesopotamia. It is fascinating to realize that it may be possible to know more about this 6,000-year-old civilization than we may have ever known about the more recent Egyptians, Greeks, and even the Romans. The explanation lies in the Sumerian cuneiform writing, whereas the papyrus of other elder empires disintegrated over time or were destroyed by the fires of war, cuneiform was etched onto wet clay tablets with a stylus, creating a wedge-shaped script. These tablets were then dried, baked, and kept in large libraries. About 500,000 of these clay tablets have now been found and have provided modern researchers with invaluable knowledge of the Sumerians. The Sumerian tablets went largely undeciphered until a German high school teacher named George Grotefend began the systematic translation of cuneiform in 1802. Today, many tablets still have not been translated into English because the sheer quantity has been overwhelmed, has overwhelmed the world's handful of translators. It must be understood that the Sumerian alphabet was essentially shorthand for a much older original language made up of logograms, symbols representing concepts rather than words. I want to break off here for a second. You need to understand that we do that today. And a symbol can sometimes stand for a lot. It's a, it's a very economic way of shuttling along information quickly. Back to the book. These logograms resembling nothing less than antique Chinese characters. Since it, since it was not a detailed language like English, there has been wide latitude in its translation. When these translations began in the 19th century, the symbol for the Sumerian's creator was simply thought to mean mythical gods, and everything proceeded from that point. Archaeological studies have shown that shortly after 4000 BC, within the Tigris-Euphrates Valley, marshes had been drained, canals dug, dams and dikes constructed, a large-scale irrigation system initiated, and large, gleaming cities built. The first 12 major city-states with exotic names like Ur, Nippur, Iraq, Lagash, Akkad, and Kish were all centered around towering, stair-stepped temples called ziggurats. Holy mountains is what that means. And each was ruled by its own god, called an ensi. Spiraling outward from the ziggurat were public buildings, markets, and homes. Surrounding each city were large tracts of land, also controlled by the local ensi. So now you see that this is not only a, this is a, what they call a large agricultural society because civilizations are broken up into five major categories. You have your hunter-gatherer, you have the uh, you have your nomads, you have your small farms, then you have your industrial-sized farms, and then you have the industrial age. Back to the book. Now, as these city-states developed, they came under the leadership of a king called a Lagal, 
who answered to the local god. Despite our superficial knowledge of the Sumerians, we have already been able to credit them with many world firsts. Professor Samuel Noah Kramer, author of History Begins at Sumer and the Sumerians, noted that these people developed the first writing system, cuneiform, the wheel, schools, medicine, science, medical science, the first written proverbs, history, the first bicameral congress, which is, you know, Republican, Democratic, it's a good example, taxation, laws, social reforms, the first cosmogony and cosmology, and the first coined money, a weighted silver shekel. It's important to stop here for a minute because it's, you have to understand that these are concepts, these are ideas, these are societal structures and applications that don't just come about. These are results from a very high-tech, large society that's highly complex. And what it seems that you have here is a fragmentation of that society. That society has been destroyed and its survivors have fanned out all over the globe and they still have some remnant, some semblance of their, their education, their knowledge, their know-how. So they take that with them and they translate this shit to people who don't know what the fuck it is. And they basically educate these people. They're like, hey dude, hey, it's like going out into like, I don't know, Papua New Guinea and giving a guy who's got his dick wrapped in a banana leaf a fucking smartphone. It's no different, dude, okay? Anyway, back to the fucking book. Talk about dusty dicks and shit. What the fuck, man? Jesus Christ. All right. Where the fuck were we? Uh, Many of the records left to us are of mundane daily affairs, such as tax records, court hearings, and market quotations. And do you know how important that kind of shit is? Because it leaves out. There's no, since they're daily affairs and they're boring and mundane, there's no point in putting any fucking spin on it so you know you're getting, the, you're getting the truth. In fact, these ancient people were little different than today's societies. They laughed, loved, and hated, squabbled and conspired, plotted against one another, and eventually fought each other. Author Thomas described the bust of the Sumerian queen, Shub Ad, on display in the British Museum. This lovely young lady wears an amazing modern wig, large earrings, and necklace. The sophisticated girl who used cosmetics, a wig, and expensive jewelry died in a ritual suicide in 29 BC, 2,150 years before the foundation of Rome and 2,000 years before Moses started his writings. Sumerians traveled frequently and widely, and are thought to have brought their advanced technology of shipbuilding and mapping to the early Phoenicians who settled along the eastern Mediterranean coast in what is now Lebanon. Their knowledge of the heavens was both amazing and puzzling. The whole concept of spherical astronomy, including the 360-degree circle, the zenith, the horizon, the celestial axis, the poles, the ecliptic, the equinoxes, all suddenly arose in Sumer noted Alfred. Sumerian knowledge of the movements of the sun and moon resulted in the world's first calendar, used for centuries after, by, afterward by the Semites, Egyptians, and Greeks. As Alfred pointed out, few people realize that we owe not only our geometry, but also our modern timekeeping systems to the Sumerian base 60 mathematical system. The origin of 60 minutes in an hour 
and 60 seconds in a minute is not arbitrary, but designed around a sexagesimal, based on the number 60 system, Alfred reported, adding that the modern zodiac was a Sumerian creation based on their 12 gods. They used it to chart a great processional cycle, dividing the 360-degree view from the Earth's North Pole during its 12-month orbit around the Sun into 12 equal parts, or houses, of 30 degrees each. Taking into account the slight wobble in Earth's orbit, movement through the, this complete cycle takes about 25,920 years. This is called a processional axis. An event known as the Platonian Year, named for the Greek scholar Plato, who inspired the Knights Templar, Illuminati, and Rhodes Round Tables. The uncomfortable question which the scientists have avoided is this. How could the Sumerians, whose civilization only lasted 2,000 years, possibly have observed and recorded a celestial cycle that took 25,920 years to complete? And why did their civilization begin in the middle of a zodiac period? Is this a clue that their astronomy was a legacy from the gods? Asked Alfred. His question could be enlarged to ask how did the early primitive humans of almost 6,000 years ago suddenly transform from small packs of hunter-gatherers into a full-blown, advanced, even by today's standards, civilization. Even the writers of the New York, of the New Encyclopedia Britannica, excuse me, acknowledged that serious questions remain concerning the Sumerian histories and cautiously explained that some queries are posed from the standpoint of 20th century civilization and in part are colored by ethical overtones so that answers can only be relative. Since we now have thousands of translated Sumerian tablets along with their inscribed cylinder seals, perhaps we should allow the Sumerians themselves to explain. The answer is that they claimed everything they achieved came from their gods. All the ancient peoples believed in gods who had descended to earth from the heavens and who could at will soar heavenwards, explained Middle Eastern scholar Zachariah Sitchin in the prologue to the first book of a series detailing his translations and interpretations of Sumerian accounts of their origin and history. But these tales were never given credibility, having been branded by scholars from the very beginning as myths. Recognizing that even the most learned researcher before the turn of the 20th century could not possibly have begun to think in terms of concepts we accept as commonplace today, Sitchin reasoned, now that we have astronauts have landed on the moon and unmanned spacecraft explore other planets, it is no longer impossible to believe that a civilization on another planet more advanced than ours it was capable of landing its astronauts on the planet Earth sometime in the past. It is significant to learn that the Sumerians never considered or referred to the beings who brought them knowledge as gods. This was a later interpretation by the Romans and Greeks who fashioned their own gods after the earlier oral traditions. The Sumerians called them the Anunnaki, or those who came from heaven. And that about does it, guys. I know it's a fucking short episode, but uh, 
Well, what do you want from me, guys? It's a fucking short fucking chapter. I got fucking exams this week, tough guy. But be sure to tune in next week because we're going to talk about these Anunnaki assholes and, you know, all those jerk-offs who came from heaven or whatever. Started giving everybody a bunch of cool shit and then all of a sudden decided to just dry the fuck up and move away. <laughs> Typical. Anyway, it's been a fucking glorious episode of the Zero Brain Podcast. And I want to thank everybody who's listened up until this point. If you've listened to my voice for a one second or more, you're a fucking champion. Hats off to you. All right? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all that shit. You guys are the best. I'll see you guys next week. This is Dave Grabe signing off. Fuck yourself. <laughs>